How could they do this? Why would they do this? You guys are fucking sick. Working Fans Podcast, cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. For another week of the Working Fans Podcast, this is AJ, I'm the former wrestler, we've got Dave the Ultimate Fan here with us, as we do every week, our producer Joe, may likes to make us sound good, and makes us look way more professional than we actually are, as always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at Fans Working, Facebook, Working Fans Pod, we've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm, we're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. If you're listening to this podcast right now, the Working Fans Podcast, then Happy New Year to you. And we know you can listen to other podcasts, but thanks for taking the time to listen to this one, man. I mean... Hey, I love podcast myself, and I'll be listening. So, <laughs> all right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with Dave and Joe, and today we got big time wrestling fan, teacher of poetry, lover of poetry. He's got his own book out. We're going to talk about that. Lost City Highway. Lost City Highway. Hi, thank you. <laughs> Joe remembers, and he's my motherfucking friend, Mister Jake Saint John. Jake, how are you, sir? Pretty good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Uh, man, thanks for coming on. So I'm going to tell the story real quick, Jake, and you can kind of jump in real quick with this. The first time I first, found... Wait, first, first I have to wish you a happy uh, Stone Cold Day. Oh. Yeah, happy 316. Happy 316. That's right, recorded 316. My man. <laughs> I didn't even realize that till I saw you wrote that on Facebook, and I was like, holy shit. How, like, how did that not occur to us? Perfect booking, though. Yeah, it was, right? So, but I don't think other people are gonna know this. So, Joe, were you a fan of the PWI magazines, Pro Wrestling Illustrated? You know, I've about... read them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. You're a little younger, so you might have you had the internet more than we did. <laughs> I did a little bit. I would say I'm still kind of technically in that old wrestling magazine bubble. Yeah. I don't know if it was necessarily Pro Wrestling Illustrated because mm-hmm. I would get the WWE magazine, right. WCW. I got the WCW comic book when they were selling it, so... So I'm friends with AJ, and I go up to him, and I read the PWI, and I said, Hey, this kid from Griswold, Connecticut, got his little commentary. I don't know, was it questions, Jake, or was it like a commentary? I remember... You it can correct me wrong. Um, it was a yeah, PWI inside. Yeah. where fans send in letters, and I, I sent them in a letter uh, talking, about, talking about some stuff. Yes, I actually... It was about Psycho Sid and the Hollywood Blondes? That's not right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, a push for Psycho Sid and uh, the Hollywood Blondes, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember. Was, uh, it was like... Because there wasn't many of us around that like, loved wrestling like when we were a kid. So when we were in that age group, I'm like, oh, this guy likes wrestling and he's in my area? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's usually when I you can, I carried the magazine around with me for weeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you got it printed. I was definitely jealous, man. I, I guess that that's probably the first time I ever was published with that magazine for Wrestling Illustrated. Yeah, right. True, true. And you and a, uh, AJ had a class together, right? Maybe? Yeah, AJ and I had art together, and then you and me and Zach and Flynn, we had early child development when we right. had to watch kids. Yeah, right, right, right. That was the following year, and like, and I think yeah. before that happened, you and AJ hit it off. Like, I, I told him about you, and then he said, "I think I have a class with that kid." And so you guys hit it <laughs> off, and then we ended up all going over to your house to watch the Slambury '94 pay per view. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Which yep. stole the show was I want to say for me was Tully Blanchard and Terry Funk. Because they were older, but still tore the fucking house down, and it was like a wild. Yeah, yeah, that was w- probably, yeah, that was yeah. Probably the best yeah. yeah, my memory's pretty good with some of this shit. So, <laughs> so what was? Because uh, I don't remember if I ever asked you this, but maybe you can tell me what was like some of your uh, earliest memories of wrestling, and like what got you into wrestling. What got me into wrestling was actually uh, remember Michael's Market and Jewish City, yes. where Walgreens is or whatever now. Yeah, I would go shopping with my mother there. And I remember one day, I don't know if it was raining out or whatever, but she told me to go get a magazine or I think they had books too, like party boy books or something. Nothing crazy, but so I was looking in the magazine section and I found, it wasn't for wrestling Illustrated. I want to say it was like wrestling superstars or something like that. And it was a big glossy magazine and Lex Luger was on the cover. And I'd, I'd never seen him before. Like it was Lex Luger on the cover and there was a, small inset photograph of uh, the Road Warriors and it, it was all it was there was nobody from WWF it was all all these guys I'd never seen before right so I grabbed the magazine and bought that and then I had a list of all the wrestling shows that were on and I went through the TV guide of the actual magazine and found like I I think it was, it was NWA WCW at the time something right. like that and uh so I, I got up on a Saturday morning and watched that, and I thought I got hooked. It was that one magazine, because there was all these guys. I, I'd only seen um, maybe one or two WWF shows at the time, and right. then seeing this magazine of a whole different world, that's what that's what got me turned on. Found everything out. Yeah, that was a good time in wrestling, man. I want to say uh, we also had maybe the great Muda was uh, still doing his thing around that time in WCW. Yeah, it was, yep. Yeah, it was about, I'd say, about a year before Muda, probably, because I, I remember going back, probably, I remember late 86, 87, I'd say. Yeah. But it was that one magazine that gave me the bug. Like, I, I that's when I just started watching nonstop. So you, you had early memories, probably, of WrestleMania three with Hogan, Andre, Steamboat Savage and stuff, too, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember uh, my dad... He'd get the newspaper, and he'd always tell me if there if there was a Saturday night's main event, the wrestling results. Or uh, I remember waking up and asking him if they had the results of WrestleMania, and he read all of them. Wow, it's so funny. Like talking to you about this stuff, like you know, talking about the TV guide and the newspaper. <laughs> like a lot of kids probably gonna listen to this, and be like, what "The fuck is that yeah. shit?" That <laughs> <laughs> guy's probably seventy-five, eighty by now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Before we uh. Get into some of the stuff you're doing now. Gary, the barber, and Jute City. All right? Yeah, um, yeah. You guys knew him. And we all ended up going to SummerSlam, like, on the same trip. Yep. 
Uh, and I, you guys were giving me shit about this. I was telling them the other night, like, yes, we went to SummerSlam 98 on a school bus to Madison Square Garden, New York. I think the driver fell asleep on the way home, but we all made it. <laughs> yep. What, how did you know Gary? Like, what was your relationship? Did you just cut your hair, or how did that come about? Um, I'll, I'll, tell you, uh, I'll tell you a couple stories about Gary. Gary is a cousin of mine, and that's how... He started kind of here, but he was a cousin of mine, so I knew him before. And then I was in the wrestling, Zach was in the wrestling, and we talked, whenever I get my haircut, we talked about it, and Gary was a huge Randy Savage fan. Mm. And he got a ticket to go up to, up to Worcester, whatever, Worcester or Warwick. It was Warwick. And we went to see one of the shows. Gary Von Erich was on it. I think he wrestled Mr. Perfect. That was the first show that I saw. The symbol wasn't even a character yet on TV. And he came out. Had no idea. Like, was wondering why Tony Atlas was dressed like that. <laughs> and so the whole thing was, Gary bought these tickets with the impression that we would get to shake hands and get autographs from uh, Macho Man. Hmm. So we were waiting, like, they kept saying, like, uh, intermission, then after the show. So finally after the show, we got, we got to see, uh, we got up to the fence, and somebody brought Randy Savage out, and Gary was talking to him and everything, and Gary was like, oh, everybody came up to see you, and Gary shook his hand, mocked, pulled him in real, real tight, grabbed, grabbed his hand, gave him, uh, he said he probably broke four of his fingers, he said, don't do this anymore, man. Wow. And so I, after that, he became an Ultimate Warrior fan. <laughs> Wow. My only memory of Gary was I'm friends with the Lucases, so I was watching a pay per view over at their house, and I swear Gary came. We probably had the same show. I I used to watch at their house all the time. Yep. And I remember Gary came over dressed as the Ultimate Warrior one time, (laughs) and it was just the funniest thing. I remember. I remember going to a show with Jake, and Gary has a his family owns a funeral home too. If I remember correctly, it had to be. I don't know if it's the same family, not possibly distant. Well, okay, but well, you can explain this because he showed up like in a hearse and came out like the Undertaker, yeah, and, like it set up. Yes, so, he did. Right, so no. that's how he met us. And that was like the first time I ever think I actually saw and met Gary, and I'm like, "Whoa, this guy's a character." <laughs> yeah, that's some showman. He came shit. running up my driveway dressed as the Ultimate Warrior one day. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. But the, the other story I was going to tell you about him was mm. I break this story out every now and then. My students at school is how I became very good, close personal friends with Dwayne Johnson. Oh, I wanted to ask you about this anyway because he got he did an autograph signing at Chute G- City Mall, right? Yes, he did. And okay, he got his haircut. Now, okay, you tell the story. So he it was. It was SummerSlam, right? Where uh, it was The Rock and Triple H for the IC title. Yeah, ladder match, yes. Yeah, ladder match. So the following week, the following week was, uh, I can't remember his name, but there used to be a sports shop down down the hallway from the barbershop. Oh, CNS Sports. Yeah, 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 CNS Sports. And he he would bring in, Steve, I think his name was, would bring in all different wrestlers and everything. And he brought Conan in and whatever, and... Val Venus, but he brought he brought The Rock in right after the SummerSlam, mm. and they needed like a place for him to hang out and everything, drink coffee and relax. So Gary had like a, I think that there was stairs in the back that they could bring him in without any without him having to go through the crowd through the crowd and the line and everything. 
So he came in, we had coffee, and his wife at the time was pregnant with their first daughter. Mm. And yeah, he was just probably, he was a real cool guy. He brought Mark Henry with him. And I remember I was sitting on, sitting on the couch with Mark Henry. And man, I just, I've never felt so small. That <laughs> he was massive. Yeah. Real cool guy, soft-spoken. But yeah, I, I got a picture with The Rock and Gary took a picture uh, cutting his hair and uh, He's a real, real good guy. I mean, he, he hadn't, he hadn't hit like he, like he obviously is in what he is now. But just a real cool, humble kid. Now, was there a joke or something that somebody made? I, I kind of remember you telling me a story. Maybe I could be wrong. That uh, the Rock said, "Hey, why don't you give uh, Mark a haircut? He likes it or something like that." And Mark Henry kind of growled jokingly. Yeah, he uh, Mark. He didn't talk much at all. He he just kind of it was like real soft mumbles and. I don't, I don't know that he had the confidence that, that he has now, and mm. he just he, he didn't want. And, and it was early in the morning too, so he he might have uh, not been ready to drive the rock around. And um, yeah, sure. he, he was a pretty quiet guy. He, he was nice to me. I talked to him briefly. Uh, I was pretty scared to approach him. He seemed not too thrilled uh, to be awake or whatever. Yeah, he's a. He's an intimidating presence, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Henry well, says we're going to do yeah, something. I mean, he, yeah. he talked to us kids and everything. I get a feel like Mark Henry tells you you're, we're going to do something today. You just go along whatever Mark Henry has planned. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my buddy Josh isn't even a wrestling fan anymore, but he has a picture with Mark Henry from that day, yeah. and he's even got yep. a Polaroid with Sonny that I imagine is from those times hanging out with Gary and them. Yeah, I actually went over yeah, the... Yeah, Josh was... I remember Josh was big into Sonny, and he was big, he was big into Goldust. He loved Goldust when he first showed up. That's awesome. I I, I remember going over uh, their house once to watch a SummerSlam. I want to say it's the one uh, where it was the... Uh, Second ladder match, maybe, with Razor and Sean. It was, like, in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know where we watched it, but we also watched... Uh, it might have been their house, but it was, like, the Survivor Series where Brett beat Diesel and yeah. Diesel jackknifed him afterwards. Yep. Yeah. Was, uh, I remember one... It was uh, Ahmed Johnson's debut, and he, like, slammed Yokozuna or something like that, and gave out this the biggest high-pitched squeal. I, that was at uh, Lucas' house because uh, I remember we were just rolling on the ground like the noise that oh, yeah. um, that Johnson made when he slammed him. <laughs> Dude, I still remember him making that fucking noise too. That taunts me sometimes. <laughs> we want to move on here a little bit. Somewhere, we got, we got disconnected a little bit because, you know, obviously life happens and so you developed an interest for poetry and that's how you got your book yeah. out and everything. How did that happen? When did that happen? And uh, give me some insight on that. So I, I used to write song lyrics uh, growing up in high school and everything. I would write really terrible songwriting lyrics. And I was always into Jim Morrison and The Doors, going back to the Lost Boys movie. They had a couple of uh, People Are Strange, and uh, they had a picture of Jim Morrison. So I, The Doors were always some something I was interested in. And... I was at school up at Utah one day, and really into the doors, really into music and everything at the time. And they had, there was a used bookstore up at campus, and I bought a copy. Some, I think it was no, Nobody Here Gets Out Alive, it was a biography on Jim Morrison. And not, not a very 
not a very factually based autobiography, but they had a bunch of different books that Jim Jim read and different music that he listened to. So I, I went back to this bookstore on campus and I found a lot of the authors that were referenced in this book and they were like Allen Ginsberg and Jack Kerouac. So I really, I started reading Jack Kerouac on the road. Now this is like right when, right when the internet first kind of started get, getting what it is today. So I was able to find a lot of information online about these poets and writers. And like, I kept a journal online and would jot things down here or there, but I, I really didn't know any poets. I didn't really know what good poetry was except for Jim Morrison. So I, through that book, I got turned on to all these other poets and then I started writing, it, it was a New Year's, uh, maybe 2001, that I really said, I, I'm going to try and do something with this and start taking it serious and started reading and finding out about poetry, new poetry. And then my friend Mosca, he, Mike, he also got into uh, Kerouac because he was into the traveling, which we both were. So... We ended up going cross country, and I, while we were going cross country, I was journaling and things like that. I wrote this poem called American Stranger in Mike's apartment in Las Vegas. It was like four in the morning, just hot, sweaty, and can't sleep or anything. And I remember I just wrote it out real quick. And that eventually, when I got back to the East Coast, it was the first poem that I ever got published. So it's been cool. Nice, nice. And then how long after that before you got the book published then? That was probably, that was back in the fall of 2004. I was in line at a coffee shop with a friend of mine. And I told I they were real supportive of my poetry. And I said, you know, uh, this will be the year. This year, it was right around New Year's. So I was like, uh, going into this new year, it must have been 2005. I'm going to read poetry in person. I'm going to get out and I'm going to, I, I'm not going to be shy anymore, I'll do it. So we get up to the counter, and as I'm about to pay, she says, I guess you're reading next weekend. And I look down, there's this wild flyer about uh, poetry open mic every Sunday. And uh, so I, I went the next week, and I met this guy, uh, Tom Weigel, who this poet that was just unbelievable. I mean, this guy had this energy I, I'd never, never felt before, and... We, we became quick friends. He, he was quite a bit older, not quite, old, 30 years or so. And he became my mentor, and he helped introduce me to some other poets and things like that. And then started publishing in different magazines. I had a couple of small, limited editions, like 30 or 40 copies, sold books here or there, um, real small press, like Do Yourself, punk rock type magazines and books. And then uh, this book came about in late 2018, I had gotten published in this magazine out in Mystic a couple of times called Out of Hour. This editor, Sarah Page, she she ran a magazine in Mystic, Connecticut, and then relocated out to San Francisco, kept the magazine going. I got a couple more poems placed, and then one day I got an email from this kid, John Brombacher, and uh, he was talking about my poetry and how he enjoyed it and everything, and how he was starting to press, and so we kind of talked over the years, nothing came of it, and then maybe four or five years later, I realized that I had a stack of poems, like 15 years worth almost, of poems that had been published and really uh, solidified, and 
John and I had always been in touch and he, he really wanted to do a book and so it just kind of came together like that. Just by chance him catching my poem in a magazine out in Los Angeles and that's how it happened. I, I mean, it got published in San Francisco and he was down in uh, LA. It just kind of, uh, fate took over, I guess. That's nice, man. That's cool. Let me ask you now, Did I, you've done poetry live on stage too, right? Yeah, on stage, yeah, yeah. I've done readings all around Connecticut. Done a lot of feature readings. I, I did a, a friend of mine videotaped me because there was a festival out in Leicester, England, probably back, and uh, I had video about 10 minutes worth that I cool. read and sent out to this uh, B Generation uh, festival. Now, uh, out in England, so that was pretty wild. Yeah, I was going to ask you, so do you get, like, a nervous energy before you uh, get up there sometimes, or? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if, it doesn't matter if there's five people in the crowd mm-hmm. or uh, 500, not, I, I mean, I'd be lucky to feed in front of 500 people, but it, it doesn't matter how, uh, for me at least, for how many people, a lot of nervous energy, uh, a lot of pacing, a lot of yeah. wandering around, and yeah, it, I don't know why, it's just how it always is. I keep it bottled up and it's, it's different. No, we get it. I mean, there's certain, obviously we're all friends here, but like, like there's certain times like we've interviewed like Al Snow or somebody and like I know minutes before, like I'm like, I got like a nervous but kind of excited too energy. Like, man, I can't wait yeah, to see yeah. how this fucking goes. You know, like I just want to, I kind of want to jump into it and get over with, but I'm also like, let's do this. You know, like I don't want to wait around, <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just want to jump in. I want to get to it, and yeah. Right. Let the chips fall where they fell, but we're gonna find out, right? I feel like that was a lot of the early interviews with us, where we get like real nervous before, and it's like, fuck, I don't know what to expect. I do think, right, because we do this almost on a weekly basis. We're a little more relaxed, but I will say this: if tomorrow we scored a fucking interview with, uh, all right, I'm not even the biggest fan of the guy, but let's say we scored an interview with fucking Batista or something. Like he's okay, but you know what I mean. I'd be fucking like, holy shit, we got fucking Batista. Like we can't fuck this up. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So, yeah, I think there's levels to it. I mean, I think with anything, repetition, if you do something all the time, but... The Lost City Highway, now, did that come... That name come along with this road trip? Yeah, I mean, uh, getting a book together, getting the poems organized and edited down, and John was real great about keeping the integrity of the poem, and any editing decisions, he, he didn't make any do anything until uh, I signed off on it. And, and the one thing that neither of us could uh, figure out was the title of the book like <laughs> I was going through taking titles of poems and then taking phrases and I, I was texting texting out to a lot of different poet friends John Greiner Dave Kennedy and I was like what, what about this title what about this title and every time they're like nah it doesn't mean anything that's weak you're giving this image it shouldn't be like that and like, John, John would shoot me a text, like, what do you think about this? I was like, I don't know, and then I'd send it to him, he's like, I don't know, and then finally, like, we were kicking around some different phrases with, as far as having a highway and then cities, and I don't, I don't remember how exactly the title came about, but it, I mean, we're talking, like, a good month, at least, trying to figure out just the title of the book. Like, we were ready to go. We were ready to do it. And uh, we should have a title for the book. We didn't know what to call it. I'm very, very particular about titling poems and titling books. Like, everything, everything has to make sense. Every, it, it can't be all 
just grab grab a title and go with it. It's, I'm very particular that everything be specific and important. So the title of the book was we we couldn't go forward until I I felt very happy with it. And eventually, when Lost City Highway clicked, we we both were kind of like, yeah, that's the title right there. And because uh, a lot of the poems are road trips and poems when I was living in New London and things like that, and so it, it all kind of tied up 15 years where the poems are in. We got a fan. We got a fan question for you today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our boy Mike Flynn had messaged us with some questions for you. So I'm gonna hit you with him. He's got three of them. I think you saw some of these. Your feelings on the uh, Raven character and kind of the whole uh, Edgar Allan Poe persona. What do you thought about that? Raven, I think Raven is just one of the greatest characters ever in wrestling. I mean, he he was he was the Jim Morrison of pro wrestling. Just fantastic. I mean, I I loved uh, I loved Scotty Anthony at the time, and I mm-hmm. loved his work going back to like Global, and just for him to go from uh, that Flingo character to uh, real life Raven was just ah, uh, dude. He, one of my favorite characters ever. I'm so glad you said Scotty Anthony because that's the first time I saw him too in Global Wrestling Federation. And yep. there was something about I watched a match where he just turned it up a notch and he started doing all his moves really fast. And I'm like, oh, I like this guy. And uh, yeah. then I want to say he had he had the Scotty Flamingo thing in WCW and I rooted for him. I think he had the light heavyweight title briefly. And that's where I became a fan of it. Yeah. And like it blew my mind years later that Raven was Scotty. So, so okay, so then we go to Johnny that's Polo. Right, yeah, he went to WCW before, and then Johnny Polo, that's what it was, because I was thinking Scotty Flamingo and Johnny Polo, and I wanted to call him Johnny Flamingo. Yes. That's right. He, and he had that denim jacket with the pink. Right. Big fringe on the arms. Yes. And and when he got to WWE, he was managing Adam Bomb as Johnny Polo. And he used to cut this promo. uh, Yeah, the Quebecers too, right, right. But he would always cut this promo with Adam Bomb, I remember, when he talked about picking him up for like the power bomb or chokeslam. He'd be like, up you go and down you stay. And I was just like, oh, that fucking was like just so good for me as a kid. And I remember reading about Raven in the magazines. And I was like, who's this fucking Raven guy? Who's yeah, Raven? Yeah. And then when I saw him, and I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> you know, it was such a transformation. Yeah, it was. It was the, the tattoos, the scowl. Because he, he was always a happy-go-lucky uh, goofball character. Right. And, man, it was... There was just something different. There was nothing... There was really nothing like that in wrestling at the time. No, no. Like, ECW was just starting out, but he really ushered in that real-life character, that real... Building, building off uh, who they were in real life because it sounds like he was having a tough time himself at that period of his life and he just, yeah, man, Raven was unbelievable. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Alright, so the other question too, we have two more questions. How would you rate the uh, poetry of the genius Lanny, Lanny Poffo? <laughs> <laughs> I would probably... On a scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10? Yeah. We're not doing the melt there? On a scale of 1 to 10, I, I would put it on a frisbee and I would throw it in an opposite direction. Okay. <laughs> so, genius isn't getting it done on the poetry side or the no, wrestling side, no. really, because he, he really didn't. Out of, the, out of the father and the brother, clearly Lanny was not having the most successful career out of them. So No, no. And I, I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. I, I feel bad. Yeah. I'm telling stories about watching me and breaking my cousin's <laughs> yeah. fingers and... Uh, 
Mark Henry intimidating all of us, but they, they really were cool guys. Right? Yeah. They just, I mean, it was Macho Man. You want to have a story. Yeah. And Macho Man tried to physically assault you. <laughs> damn right. Damn right. All right. And then the last question we got from Mike was, as a big fan of Jim Morrison, what are yep. some of your thoughts on John Morrison? Um, I thought, I was just talking about this the other night, that not as much John Morrison, but season one of Lucha Underground, where John Morrison was Johnny Mundo, yeah. where he came off as like a cheap D-level movie actor, action actor, uh, Steven Seagal type, like just a cheesy actor. I, I just thought he, he was wonderful. He, mm-hmm. Thinking of him as Johnny Morrison just reminds me of The Miz and... That just gets me mad. <laughs> I will say that uh, that Lucha Underground, man, that really caught on with me. Like, I remember watching some episodes kind of haphazardly, and then next thing I know, I'm getting, like, enthralled in this. I'm like, well, this yeah. is completely different than anything else out there. And, like, we're killing people. That, that we're having aliens. And, yeah. <laughs> it was like a comic yeah, book. I'm Travelers. Yeah. Comic book slash wrestling sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like, I thought it was great. Uh, the first like season, season one, season two, first half of season two, I I thought it, there was nothing like it. It was it was really pretty creative. Yeah, with that vampiro Pentagon uh, season finale yeah. match, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. something to see. Yeah, they beat yeah. the shit out of each other. Well, we're gonna keep you around later for the five three one. Is there anything you want to promote before we end this segment, though, Jake? The book's still available on Amazon, Lost City Highway by Jake St. John. That's pretty much it, guys. Don't have too much going on right now other than the book and just getting through the next couple of weeks. All right, my man. Yeah, hopefully we all get through the next couple of weeks with no issues and life gets back to a little normalcy. When we can maybe watch wrestling with crowds again, hopefully, at some point in the <laughs> yeah, next exactly, month or so. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, you guys looking forward to a Raw tonight from an empty performance center where you're bringing in Stone Cold, you're bringing in okay. a couple other Undertaker. people. Undertaker. Stone Cold, Undertaker are going to be in front of an empty arena show tonight. You're really popping the boys with that one. Jesus. Yeah, that's what we did before we even go. I'll just talk about that for a second because that's a great point. Like, it is, and it's not just WWE. I mean, AEW is doing it this week too. They're going to have an empty arena show. Yep. UFC, UFC just had, yeah, UFC just did, and we don't know if these guys are still going to be able to have shows. And I know Vince is getting a lot of heat for not canceling Mania yet, but there is talk yep. that I guess there's some insurance thing that he's not going to get paid if he cancels it. And I gotta tell you, like, I don't know if I would can't. If, if you can tell me I could wait another week or two, and they're gonna pay for fucking everything, I'd probably like, all right, show's still on. As far as I, I think about it, though, Owen uh, died mid show, and they kept going. Oh so yeah, this motherfucker ain't stopping anyway. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you tell yeah, me, yeah, I um, yeah. I saw a headline today that they. The town, like, have to step in and shut it down. Oh, no shit. Yeah, he's not. If they don't, they must not know Vince McMahon if they're waiting for this guy. To exactly. Like, <laughs> that's, it's, it's Vince McMahon, yeah. He's you expect him to do one, and he's not going to do it. Nah, he don't give a fuck. <laughs> he will put that show on an empty arena and book himself against God again. And do it like in a main event. <laughs> and say, this is what we're doing. No, he's going to put himself against the coronavirus. The corona, he will. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's going to be fake news. <laughs> no, when, you don't have like, any ideas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have Donald Trump, our president, a special referee or some shit. Oh man. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, that's the America screw job. Yeah, don't, don't 
Don't if whoever has to make this decision, the governor or if it's the mayor, I don't know in Tampa, whoever has to make just make it already because Vince ain't yeah, fucking yeah, doing it. You're wasting your time. Yeah, I got to know whether to <laughs> buy those shows on Fight TV too. I don't want to pay the money now and then go through the claims process with Fight. Look, I bought Joey Ryan's Penis Party too. It is not happening. I would like my money back. And if you put it back on the bill, can you put it under something different? Okay. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> that's going to do it for this segment. Jake's going to stick around with us. This is the Working Fans Podcast. Working Fans Podcast with AJ and Dave. And we got a special guest today. One half of the former NWA Tag Team Champions and part of the group Strictly Business, Mr. Royce Isaac. Royce, how are you, sir? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure, Royce. I think my co-host forgot to mention that also the future Crockett Cup winner for 2020. Hey. Just saying. No, I'm, I appreciate that we got to it eventually because that's definitely on the docket for sure, man. The, the Crockett Cup's coming up April 19th, so we are in wild card season, baby. I'm ready to have a big big year. Obviously, last year Crockett Cup was a coming out party of sorts for the wild cards. So I think this year, you know, onward and upward, we got to take the cup home with us, baby. Yeah, you know, it's funny you talk about that. You know, obviously, you're a competitor, you're an athlete. Did I see you training with Josh Barnett? Yeah, man. So, I mean, the cool thing is, living in L.A. the past uh, two and a half years now, is you make some pretty cool connections. I met Josh at a uh, suburban fight show. Uh, randomly, it was like after it was like after a GCW show, they had a suburban fight that ran directly after things that I was on. I left with Casey Beaton's. A really good East Coast guy for GC Dub, and after the match, we were just talking and bullshitting. And I think there's one of those things where you know we, we got along. We we trained together a couple times now. I have, I have some elbow bursitis I'm dealing with, so I'm trying to heal up and whatever. But it's really cool anytime I get to learn something like a kind of really like a master like that. And it's someone that's had such a storied career. Like Josh is really really cool. He actually referred me to the doctor that's helping with my elbow bursitis. So really legit, really good dude. I can't wait to train with him some more. Yeah, you know, I have a, a shoot background from my college wrestling days, and I'd really—it's something that I enjoy, and uh, I'd like to get back to. So. Well, people talk a lot about legitimate backgrounds, and the fact that you wrestled for Cornell out there in Iowa is absolutely incredible. Any of us that did amateur wrestling know that where you want to be is a state like Iowa or Minnesota, somewhere out there in the heartland where wrestling is God. Yeah, absolutely. I think like it's like you either want to be. In the Midwest, I think Iowa obviously has a long storied history, and it's gotten to the point now too, especially for uh, high school. And then now with Kale, with a uh, Kale Sanderson for for college, Pennsylvania has gotten really really good as far as that goes as well. So it's like there there's a few really really good hot spots for people who can shoot really well and whatnot. It's really cool now that Josh has the the blood sport series that he's been doing that you know he's able to showcase more like an old school pancreas shoot style for pro wrestling because I definitely think there's an audience for that. Like, I really enjoy watching that kind of stuff. I'll still go back and watch old pancreas matches and, and whatnot on the and watch them on YouTube and stuff. And so it's definitely a, uh, a different kind of spectacle in that. Yeah, no, we're huge fans. We actually went to the blood sport where it was Barnett versus Minoru Suzuki. And, uh, oh, shit. Yeah, just a uh, 
Great show, and I'm a big MMA fan too. Like I just watched, I think it was 248 this weekend. Oh God, the, the, the Romero versus uh, Adam Sire or whatever. That's yes, crazy. yes, the friggin' co-main event, the two uh, females fighting. The women tore it up, right? Oh man, that was one of the craziest. They fights. stole the show. Yeah, it, unbelievable damage yeah. done. Like I, I don't know if that that might be one of those things they say is a career shortener. It was definitely, yeah, it, it was a crazy fight. Yeah, you, don't, you don't have too many of those in you, kind of thing. Yeah, right. For sure. Now, as a competitor, too, I couldn't help but notice this on Facebook. I wanted to ask you, I'm assuming this has to do with your lifting credentials, but maybe you could clarify. Big Bad Deadlift Daddy? Is that your nickname? Or is that one of them? <laughs> <laughs> that is. That is my nickname. So, I mean, that all comes from, I am, I'm a huge Scott Steiner fan. And shout out to Scott I know he's in the company right now. He had a health scare. But I grew up a Scott Steiner fan. Always been a big fan of Big Pop of Palm. I mean, obviously, I did lift for the workout, you know, my own personal workouts and whatnot as well. But even outside of that, my one of my biggest moves in my arsenal has always been like my deadlift suplexes, and since that was something that I was kind of getting known for, it just made sense because I didn't want to, I didn't want to be like a small booty daddy. I mean, I'm one, I have a big butt, as we said, and two, I didn't want to completely like bite off his style or whatever. But I wanted to pay homage to the signer and kind of incorporate my own. Like, what would be my take on it? So, big bad deadlift daddy is how that, that came into play. Awesome. Royce, the first place I got a chance to really see you perform was Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And at that point, you had more of a almost Scott Steiner look with the bleach blonde hair and the goatee. But did working for Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, did that actually get you used to the studio, which seems more similar to what you're doing now with the NWA? Yeah, no, I definitely think that style, like, cause it, uh, a lot of people didn't don't don't realize that they had to watch Hollywood. It is filmed in that studio style. I think that really helped me be prepared for what a studio day would be like. I think that you know, getting to work with uh, various you know talented people on the way up there, like you know people like Bateman and Andy Brown, who's still there, is really really talented. Uh, super beneficial for me. It, yeah, but yeah, no, it was definitely it was, a, it was the same similar style. And, and I, I don't know if a lot of people really get that uh, on their come up in the Indies. It's like there's definitely a lot of places where you can get a really good match and some that can help you become a really good wrestler because maybe you're getting 20 or 30 minutes. But especially when you get to TV somewhere or you work for a big company, there might be times you have to realize how to like get yourself over but only wrestle for six to eight minutes. And Hollywood also really helps with that with you know, time constraints and hard cameras and all the kind of little extra stuff that they, that they don't always necessarily go over unless you have a really good trainer, you know? One of the matches that I'm going to recommend people go out and check out out there, anybody who's a fan of yours or a fan listening to this podcast right now, check out, I believe it's from 2018, you versus Joey Ryan. If they want to see how much, how good of a skill set you have and how great you are at selling and playing to the crowd, that match, I thought you were absolutely phenomenal. So I hope people go out and check that one out. I appreciate that. I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that match too. I think Joey is when Joey really wants to go and, and, and do his thing. Like people forget, he used to be Joey Ryan, the technical wizard. Joey's really good in that too. And you know, everyone needs a good dance partner. So I, I got to give props to him as well. Another one, people like the blood and gore. Me and Bateman had a full rope match last year. That's on YouTube in full. So I would really recommend that. And if people aren't familiar with Bateman, he. He got signed to Ring of Honor right around the same time that I started uh, really doing stuff heavily with NWA. So it was really cool to have like a really physical, bloody beatdown match with him for sure. So both of those are on YouTube and 
I would, I would recommend either one uh, if you're trying to check me out. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because he's talking about the technical match. You're talking about the bloody match. And now, like, you're in Strictly Business. You're a serious performer. But you also kind of have this different thing going on with Mae Valentine and Sal. And it's interesting. It almost reminds me of, like, and no offense to Sal, like, I don't want to say he's playing George Steele, but, like, it reminds me of, like, the macho Elizabeth thing. And it's it, it's interesting, though, because it's, like, there's more versatility, it seems like, you're getting to do in, you know, different aspects of your character now, evolving. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I really, personally, I find it a blessing that I've been able to show off more folds in, in, in my character and what I can do in more range. I think that only benefits me long term. Like I hope people can can see that and recognize that as well. And hopefully, they, hopefully uh, they will over time. I I think it's important to not just be one dimensional. Like there's there should be like wrestling. One of the greatest attributes to me is that it's like such a variety show that you get so, so much out of it. And the more that I can contribute to that, the happier kind of I'll be because I think that. You know, it's like like some people. You never know what's going to stick with people. Obviously, there's a lot of people that really enjoy good technical wrestling. There's some people that want to see car crashes and whatever. And there's some people that like. You know, I I remember so many of like the, the mid cards and low card people from the Attitude Era, and it has nothing to do with anything they were doing in the ring. It was because of vignettes and you know promos and whatever the interaction was between them and another mid-card, like that, that kind of stuff can be really memorable too. And I think if you can show everything, no matter where you're at on the card, and luckily I'm in a place where I'm with Strictly Business where, you know, the, the primo act and whatnot, but you can really show more value for yourself when, when you are in a, in a setting like that where you can show your range. Royce, we had on about a month ago, month and a half ago, we had a legend and Ricky Morton on, and he gave you one of the best compliments I think that you can give a fellow wrestler. And he said that wrestling you and Tom Latimer was basically like having a night off in the ring. And to hear <laughs> to hear a legend actually talk about you that way, that's got to be a cool thing. But what were your influences growing up, and what time period did you actually start really following wrestling? Well, yeah, I uh, just turned 31 in February, so I'm like, I'm an attitude era baby. Like, I came up when, you know, wrestling was really hitting its boom period. I was definitely more of a, a WWF guy than WCW, but I watched both products um, pretty regularly. You know, I, I, when I was a kid, I liked all the, the cool guys, all the Stone Cold, The Rock, you know, Mankind. I was like a big, obviously, Scott Steiner fan, big Booker T fan, Diamond Dallas Page all those kind of guys and then when it comes to like my own personal stuff I I kind of try to take from everywhere I never I think it's a real people do themselves a real disservice when you see someone and they're just doing like you can tell oh this guy is like a huge I don't know Johnny Gargano fan and they're just doing like a, a cosplay of him like Gargano's great man he's one of the best obviously he's amazing but like there's already him he's already doing himself so like you got to find your own your own style and your own voice and your own self. And if you take a little bit from here, a little bit from there, a little bit of everywhere, you can actually make your own original kind of potion and thing. And I think it's also important, especially for character kind of work, take stuff from outside of wrestling. Like, don't just try to be like, there are certainly elements of like Macho and Liz with me and Myra, especially with almost even the shoot relationship of, of Macho being some paranoid and whatever but like there you can always take from 
various forms of media and get influence from there. Like, I've always been a really big fan of Jack Burton from uh, Big Trouble in Little China, the Kurt Russell character. Uh, like, I think there's something really... It's an amazing movie, and it's something that really is easily easily translatable to a face or a heel, for that matter. Well, I'm, like, a big fan of, in the first Mortal Kombat movie, which is, like, super underrated as far as video game movies go. The second one kind of sucks, and I think that's partly why, but the first one was great. If you look at Johnny Cage's character in there, he's really good at breaking the fourth wall without breaking it too hard, kind of laughing at himself, but then when he needs to be taken seriously... He's taken seriously because there is that element of like wrestling can be haha and can be hunky and can be funny, but no matter who you are, if you can never be taken seriously in the ring as a threat, like you kind of maximize your ceiling of where you can be. Yeah, there's a fine line between comedy wrestling and absurdity, and if you make yourself too much of a joke, then you're taken away from it. What I sure, or or if you uh, just have to get too sidetracked, but or if you do make yourself quite a bit of a joke know when there's the moment that you have to turn it up a notch and really show people hey I'm an ass picker and I'm a serious threat you have to take me seriously and then you can go back to your stick and it's fine timing I learned years ago I wrestled and I was taught by Adrian Street many years ago because uh, I'm old <laughs> but um, one of the things <laughs> one of the things that was amazing about Adrian was he took that really effeminate character and it was a character where literally you would think anybody off the street would be able to just whoop the shit out of him. But when it came time to actually perform in the ring, he literally could maul anyone. So it, it's that finding that fine line and dancing it. Sure. Or like you look at like Aaron Stevens early work as like Damien Sandow. He would be very like prim and proper. And like as soon as he took over, though, and he turned it up a notch, you would see a completely different side of it where you'd get really, really vicious for a second. You'd think, oh yeah, shit. Like he might have been popping around, you know, popping circumstance and kind of prancing around and doing his thing, but all of a sudden he got real serious and like, I feel a little uncomfortable now. <laughs> and obviously, you know, I think what we see, we're just starting to see a little bit of that come out with Shooter Stevens with like the, the elbow attack that he did to uh, Trevor Murdoch. If you didn't, didn't pay attention to that as well, but like, oh yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's showing that kind of like, Okay, yeah, sure, Stevens is a goofball, but if you mess with him, he can take it to another level and really, uh, uh, you know, well, elbow you in the face 300 times until you're not recognizable. I think anybody who learns that Mongol Mongolian karate is going to be dangerous, though. That's the thing, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure what the degree of black belt he is at this current time because I haven't talked to him in a few weeks. He might be, like, in the high 40s at this point. Right, right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to backtrack a little bit here because you were talking about some movies, and I have a new segment I'm doing, too, and I think you'd be kind of good for it. It's basically just asking you what your favorite stuff is. We do, like, five random quick questions. You can elaborate or you can rapid fire. Either way. But I'll okay. start off with favorites. Favorite movie. Oh, favorite movie. I mean, Big Trouble Little Channel is definitely on, like, the top ten list for sure. Old Boy and Sympathy for Mr. Revenge are two Korean flicks that I really like. I want to, they're, one of, they're, they're in the same series, they're by the same director, and they're both these kind of twisted stories of revenge that are really, really good. The Dirty Dozen is definitely on my list. I just gave you four, so we'll leave it at that. Awesome. That was a good list. <laughs> Favorite pizza? Pepperoni. You like, I, that's it. I'm sorry. Like, I know that's <laughs> like really like basic B kind of stuff, but I feel like if you, I'll do, if you, if you want to have any other meats on there and whatever, like, okay, yeah. fine, we can do that. But if it's just me and I'm just eating for myself, 
basic pepperoni, like double pepperoni or like pepperoni double cheese or like double cheese, double pepperoni. Any iteration of that is perfect. I don't think there's any, like, sometimes it's like that simplistic masterpiece that's that. Royce, you're a genius because I piss my wife off with that every time I go out to get pizza. If she sends me out and doesn't tell me what kind, I'm coming home with pepperoni. <laughs> there you go. Favorite comedian? Oh, man. George Carlin and Dave Chappelle. Oh. I think they're probably like the, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent yeah. fucking joy. You, I actually got to see Chappelle once about 10 years ago. I'm a vegan son. You here. managed to get my favorite comedian and his in the same <laughs> yeah. shot. There you go. There you go. All right. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, two more. Favorite song? That's a really good question. Or, or band or uh, musician. Really big fan of uh, Copyright. He's this underground rapper from Ohio who, I don't know, was uh, he he still does uh, he still does stuff, uh, but he's like a really good like punchline heavy, but also really good at um, layering and stuff and making songs that actually have really good meaning to whatever. And he's been around forever. He's an underground guy. He's fucking dope. So awesome. Yeah, copyright. And last one besides yourself, favorite wrestler. Uh, favorite wrestler Scott Steiner or Dolph Ziggler. Oh, very good, very good. Dolph Ziggler, one of the most underrated wrestlers on the planet, in my opinion. I agree, and I agree. I think that there's a few times that he really could have uh, been given the ball and let run with it, but at the same time, it's really hot. Like, he was still a multiple-time world champion, so he had a great Survivor Series moment and all that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he still has had a really, really storied, amazingly long career. Mm. It, I, it's just someone that I think also he he could have definitely done even even more. And, you know, it is what it is, man. I, I Hats off to him, man. He's, uh, he's a legend. Yeah. To me, he's got that Mr. Perfect thing where he can't have a bad match, so that makes him pliable yeah. to make everybody else look so good. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, I agree with that. Now, one other question. You know, you're in Strictly Business, NWA, faction with the heavyweight champion. No, obviously, it's not like the Four Horsemen, but it's a faction. It kind of gives me memories of that. Just out of curiosity, hypothetical fantasy booker, if you could put a fourth guy with you, besides I'm not discounting Camille or anybody, but, you know, besides Latimer and Aldis, who would be another guy you think that might fit in that group? Hmm. You know, I don't want to do a disservice to Camille. I think she could beat up most guys out there. So Agreed. <laughs> I, 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 unfortunately, I can't give you a good answer on that because I wouldn't, you know, I'd feel like I'd be disrespecting her because... Nope. I mean, 100%. She, yeah. she honestly might be the second toughest in our group behind Nick, being real. <laughs> <Yeah>. All right. <laughs> Camille, it is. Beautiful. Because she's wrestling next week. She's been more of like the she's bodyguard type. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah, said, no, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, see where that all goes because Camille... Uh, we have the force to be reckoned with, and I think I think the fans are really going to respond to that. And she, they've done such a great job, I think, with not letting her talk yet, and kind of like keep like it's so intriguing to me the way they developed her. I saw a workout that she did with Latimer and with Braun Strowman, and I don't I don't oh, think boy. I don't think I would want to try to keep up with her in the gym, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at oh. all. She's a beast. Crockett Cup's coming up. Is there anything uh, you want to promote out there? I mean, the biggest thing is Crockett Cup. Anyone's listening and they have not, they're not, you know, clued into to what it's all about. April 19th in College Park, Georgia. Tickets are on, on sale right now at uh, nationalwrestlinglife.com slash Crockett Cup. If you go on my Instagram, you can find out more information about all that at Roy Isaac. I think right now, I'm not sure when this will air, but I know they're doing some like four pack deals on, on, uh, on tickets and all that stuff. I would definitely get on that ASAP. There's obviously also going to be an internet pay-per-view on Fight TV, so you can order it there if 
you know, you're uh, worried about traveling around uh, during this uh, this time and, right. and going down to Georgia. Although Georgia's been fine, for, you know, Atlanta's been fine from all I can tell, so shouldn't be any problems flying there, I don't think. But. And like you talked about, if anybody listening to this is heading out to the Atlanta area, those four packs are actually four for $100. So it's only $25 a seat. That's pretty damn good for such yeah. a level of wrestling show. That's Yeah, yeah. they already just, like, on this last week of the power, they announced some of the talent. And it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not surprised that Bill and Inc. was going to be there, but I'm glad they are because obviously me and Tom want the, the rubber match there. And... uh I, I want to say Ray Horace, uh, you know, they, they have like some really good uh, announcements for, for the matches and for some of the, the, the talent that's going to be there already. You know, some a good NWA talent and also some really good Ring of Honor talent. And so like, it's going to be a good clash of styles and it's our biggest NWA event yet. And I guarantee NWA's always done a really good job of under-promising, over-delivering on every pay-per-view, every taping that we've done. So there's definitely going to be some sick surprises for all the fans that put the faith in us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it also. I think the opportunity to get yourself and Flip Gordon in the same ring is uh, it could blow the roof off and could steal the show, to be honest with you. Yeah, man. Awesome, uh, that man. was awesome. Royce, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate everything. We know that you're busy as can be out there. But please keep doing what you're doing, and thank you very much. Hey, thank you. I'm glad this was really easy to organize and uh, nice, nice uh, a good, good podcast. Uh, hopefully, the fans uh, enjoy. And like we'll do, Dave man. said, if you need anything, if you need us to put this out ahead of time to push anything for you or anything like that, yeah. please just let us know on Twitter, and we'll do whatever it takes to help you out. And also, too, low key, yeah. this is even like we haven't been planning this, but like you're like maybe the seventh or eighth NWA guy. Like we love the NWA. Like we've been interviewing as many NWA talents as we can get. So we're huge fans of the show and product, and we'll do anything to push what we can do. So, oh yeah, that, that's what's up, man. Yeah, you just uh, definitely tag me on anything on like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I'll share, repost, all that stuff. So hopefully, we can get as many listeners as possible. Awesome, Th- man. Thank you very much, have boys. A, have a great night. Have a great night. Yeah, see you guys later. Bye. Welcome to the 531, where we take our top five list on a particular subject, debate it down to a top three, and then further debate it down to a top one. We've got author Jake St. John sitting in with us today, and the topic is triple threat matches. The first list we have here is from Randy Osga. He's got Christopher Daniels versus Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles. Second on his list, he's got Punk versus The Miz versus Alberto Del Rio from TLC 2011. Third on his list, Angle versus Triple H versus The Rock. Fourth, The Rock versus Undertaker versus Angle. And fifth, Dudley's versus Hardy's versus Edge and Christian. Just real quickly, what did you guys think about that list? Was uh. Was there a match with the Miz in that? Yeah. Yeah, Punk versus Miz versus Alberto Del Rio from TLC. I think anything with the Miz is automatically going to get a thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you catching on, Dave? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> oh, man, poor Randy. We're always shitting on him. And hold on for a second. We got some claims that Randy thought you were drunk last week, Dave. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. respond to these claims right yeah. now? I don't know why he thought I was drunk. Maybe he thought I was being a little homophobic or something. Maybe he's... I don't know what the whole deal is. But I said that AJ was a big fan of Goldust, especially the Goldust who liked to touch himself. That that was his thing. And I'm not drunk. That's my best fucking friend. And if he likes Goldust touching his dick, that's his thing. Randy, mind your own business. God damn, I thought I was going to catch the first wellness pile... Uh, wellness policy violation around here but Dave you took the heat on that one yeah 
Apparently. <laughs> now we got Jake's brother Zach here, and his list is Douglas versus Funk versus Sabu, <laughs> Triple H versus Michaels versus Benoit, Brian versus Orton versus Batista. This is an interesting one. Debit versus Ibushi versus Loki from Wrestle Kingdom 7. Mm. And Joe versus Daniels versus Styles from TNA Unbreakable. Pretty solid list. I think we should go right to Jake's list because I find it funny, and Jake knows this, how Uh, similar him and his brother are. (laughs) I've never... We have never combined lists or talked about our lists until after they were uh, sent in either. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a question I wanted to ask you. Like, Do you and your brother have... Do you like similar things in wrestling, or does he like certain things and you're into other? Like for me, I love NWA Power. My brother can't stand yep. it. Mm-hmm. We, I'm a big fan of MLW. He likes it, but he's not a week to week watcher. So, mm-hmm. are you guys more similar or different in your interests? Yeah, I mean, growing up, we uh, we were very similar. We we liked a lot of the same, a lot of the. Um, WCW, the Clash of the Champions, that was always uh, huge. I I think both of us took a lot of sick days uh, from school. Mm-hmm. Whenever uh, one of those was on the night before, we'd stay home and watch the tapes. And but uh, yeah, like I I mean um, I am huge for New Japan. That's New Japan is that's my thing. And yeah, NXT like we have very very similar tastes as far as characters and things like that go. But yeah, we have very similar tastes, I'd say. Who's uh who who was on your list, Jake? You sent me a text. How many like you guys? You have some of the same ones as Zach, I remember. So yeah, the only one I didn't have the New Japan on uh, the list, uh, his Devitt match, but I had in no order at all was Brian Orton Bautista for the storytelling. <laughs> Mike Flynn reminded me about that one. Bautista. Uh, <laughs> and then Benoit Michaels Triple H. Yeah. When Benoit got crowned. Yeah, pre-murder. Uh, yeah, pre-murder. <laughs> the, the TLC, the first one, was Edge and Christian, the Dudleys and the Hardy, just because it, for what it did as far as TLC and the triple threat match. And I have thoughts on that one. I, I've got my own opinion as far as how well that was done. And then I, I had Douglas Sabu just, I mean, they, it's promoted as the first ever uh, tri- three-way dance. I don't know if it, oh, right. that's true or not, but... And then I had Joe Styles and Daniels, the X Division title match. Tell us for a minute what your thoughts are on that Edge and Christian Hardys and Dudley's match. I remember watching the match, and if I remember, I should have double checked, but I remember um, Edge and Christian during that match. They were kind of not, I don't want to say skate, but it seemed like the poor Hardys just got murdered the entire match, and. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it was the Hardys and the Dudleys that did all the work in that match. Hmm. And, and I, I am a huge Edge guy. I love Edge. Yeah. But I, I felt like the, the uh, Hardys and the Dudleys, they, they, did all the, they did all the work, and Edge and Christian kind of cleaned up, which is fine for what their characters were and everything. They, I, not doesn't take away from the match. I just, I think the Hardys, like, they, they deserve all the respect in the world for what they did in that match. Quick sidebar, too, because you talked about being a big Edge fan. One of the first times in recent memory, like, I popped huge was when Edge came back at the Rumble this year. I was watching that at a friend's house, and I was literally jumping up out of my chair. Like, I was just super excited. Love that guy. Uh, And, yeah, yeah, that was a a great time in wrestling, especially tag team wrestling, too. 
I was just talking about, and he, right when he came back, and I remember when they started doing the vignettes, Fred, where he'd be like hiding in a street oh, yeah. light or something, and running down the street, and they had Edge written on the screen in this like weird fancy lettering, and I thought his name was Hedge, <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? What kind of character is this? Why Why is he named after a bush and running down New York City in a trench coat? And it wasn't until finally when I realized his name was Edge. I was like, oh, that makes a little more sense. Yeah, thankfully, uh, thankfully for him, too. <laughs> Probably worked out better. Yeah. <laughs> so next up, we got a list from AJ. Yeah. We almost had an appearance from him this week, but... <clears throat> Fucked up on the recording. Yeah, let's we lost hope, that one. Yeah, let's hope we save this one. Uh, we, we got backup. <laughs> yeah, Zicky Dice, if you ever go into the Maury show, we got you at the Cheesecake Cheesecake Factory. Factory. But <laughs> his list, it has number one, Funk versus Sabu versus Douglas. Mm-hmm. Goddamn, this next one is a mouthful. But number two, it's Benoit Malenko versus Public Enemy versus Taz and Rick Steiner. Huh. Yep. I wonder if you could tell us what event that's from. No, I don't think he can. He clearly looked that up online. Third on his list is <laughs> third on his list is Tajiri versus Super Crazy versus Little Guido. Mm. You know, an old favorite. <laughs> Four, we got Benoit versus Triple H versus Shawn Michaels. Uh, okay, that one, yeah. And five, he's got Charlotte versus Bailey versus Sasha Banks. Yeah, I'm sure he. <laughs> I made him tell me that event. He had to look that one. He, up. He's a big. Uh, he's a big fan of ladies wrestling. So yeah, he had to get yeah, one he in is. there. Yeah, sure. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll get my list in next. I've got Dusty versus Steve Carino versus Terry Funk. Ooh. That's from the Ooh. MLW King of Kings event. Second on my list, I've got Brian versus Orton versus Batista. Third on my list is. The Ladder Wars match that I'm surprised didn't pop up on more between the Addiction, Motor City Machine Guns, and the Young Bucks. They fucking absolutely wow. murdered each other mm. at that event. Four is Daniels versus Joe versus Styles, obviously. And five, Triple H versus Michaels versus Benoit. Scott got us like a partial list. I don't know if I got it to you, but he didn't get the whole thing. Yeah, he only liked two uh, triple threat matches. Two or three, yeah, two or three of them. And he brought up that, like, we talked about this too. Like, I'm not generally a big fan of triple threat matches. That's why this list was a little hard for me. Like, you know, there's some good ones on this list, but for the most part, I like classic one on one matches. And I'm a Hell in a Cell guy, my, or no. Fuck, not Hell in a Cell. I don't know how I dropped the ball on that. A yeah. War Games guy. Yeah, War Games were always yeah. good. Give yeah. me two rings, a cage. I'm yeah. fucking all about yeah, it. Yeah, that was fun. I, you know, the thing, too, is I think it's just overexposure with a lot of it. How many fucking triple threat matches have we had over the years? It's like, it's just not, you know, like Elimination Chamber is like an event now. Yeah. And we have, and we have and multiple. It's like, I don't care. You've you know? got the inherent problem of if there's a triple threat match, there's two guys fighting, one guy's mm. doing what? Right. One guy has to be laid out. Exactly, yeah. Yep. We got left here. Yeah, Sheaf's brought us a list. He has Triple H versus Michaels versus Benoit. Styles versus Daniels versus Joe. Hardys versus Dudleys versus Edge and Christian. Another Super Crazy versus Tajiri versus hey. Little Guido match. <laughs> they I'm have some good ones. Up. They have some good ones. I can actually say they wrestled on TNN a few times. I okay. Yeah. And then Brian versus Orton versus Batista again. Mm -hmm. Jesse got us a list. This is an interesting list. And he's the one that brought us the idea. Yeah. He had Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero versus CM Punk from IWA Mid-South. Oh, I've seen that. Uh, that is fucking excellent. Somebody showed me a DVD of that. Yep. 
He's got Triple H versus Shawn Michaels versus Benoit. Joe versus Daniels versus Styles. <laughs> Funk versus Sabu versus Douglas. And then Angle versus Benoit versus Jericho. Hmm, is that I from WrestleMania? I, yeah, I kind of want to look that up. Yeah, Intercontinental yeah. slash European title. Uh, Angle lost both without getting pinned by either man. <laughs> either fall. Yeah, that was, that was weird. Yeah. Now, Dave, what's on your list? You're the only... Man of that time, time, baby! <laughs> Alright. Uh, so, WrestleMania 20. Uh, Benoit, Triple H, HBK. It was the very first one that popped in my mind. Um, say what you will about Benoit, the person, and how his life ended. I noticed some uh, AJ still goes on about how great he is, and we need to forget about that. But he's been hiding. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he murdered a few people. Yeah, so, I know, right? I know, right? I guess mistakes that's, were made. That's what AJ <laughs> says, anyway. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, those aren't my words, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> don't take the podcast away. <laughs> That's all we got. So, <laughs> WrestleMania 30. Uh, I'm a huge Daniel Bryan mark. So, like Jake says, the story. Like when Bryan, we knew these motherfuckers. No offense, I do like the WWE at time, but I'm gonna say it, these motherfuckers didn't want to put the belt on him. They didn't want to give him what he deserved, and we had to literally. They tried to say at a press conference one time at one of their quarterly meetings with a stock that. Oh yeah, there's a fight. There's a vocal minority that wants him, and it's you know yeah. getting upset. No, it's not a vocal minority when they're doing the yes chance in hockey games and basketball games. It's like clearly this guy's I, I've over. I've been more frustrated. Yeah, no, clear. I will, and uh, actually, um, I remember. Isn't a vocal minority the easiest way to say they've slightly got the majority now? Uh, yeah, it's just, it's so ridiculous, and I, I remember uh, showing. Uh, the Daniel Bryan story to people that weren't even wrestling fans and what was going on, and they just ate it up. Like, people got super excited with that. And, hey, at the yeah. end, at least for a little while, they did put the belt on him. WrestleMania 30. Ten WrestleManias after that triple threat match with Benoit, Triple H, and HBK, we had another good one, thankfully, for the story, and I was happy to see Bryan won. And that was also the same WrestleMania where uh, Taker's undefeated, undefeated streak got ended, too. So. Yep. That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, TNA. Uh, I'm not a big TNA fan overall. They've done some okay stuff here and there. I try not to trash them, but in the end, it's just not something you would probably see on my list a lot of times. But Daniels, Joe, Styles is just amazing. Go out of your way to watch that. Um, and, yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, and then I, I had an ECW one on here too. Uh, the uh, right little, Guido, little Guido Super Crazy. It was not Little Guido Super <laughs> Did I shit on the, the was, sleeper head of the It night? was uh, actually, it was Terry Falk, Tommy Dreamer, and Steven Richards. And the winner was going to face Raven. And it was on the first ECW pay-per-view. This is where Terry Funk won and then went on to beat Raven for the title. And okay. yeah, it was right. I guess Terry got the win with like a... Uh, with a cradle small package or something, and uh, the pay per view like went off the air, and like the satellite feed apparently like was on like ten seconds later. Like they were literally about to almost miss the finish. They, they got yeah. They didn't pay that bill. Wow. And uh, finally, uh, I have. I want to say you guys can correct me on this. It's Edge Christian versus the Dudleys and Hardy Boys, but I think it's WrestleMania 17. Wherever, whatever, which one it was, where Edge did the spear. On to Hardy when they were both coming yeah. off the ladder. Yeah. That to me is always just one of the most epic moments. And I want to say that's the same matches they got Rhino, Spike Dudley, and Lita involved too. And yeah. um, 
Yeah, forever a big fan of those guys. Forever a big fan of that match. And um, I don't know if that was 17, but if it was, whatever it was, it was. Like, that is one of my favorite triple threat tag yeah, matches. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it still holds up to this day. All right, now that we got everybody's top five list in, a couple matches, or there's been several matches that have made both lists. Styles versus Daniels versus Joe. Mm-hmm. Almost a shoe-in. Triple H versus Shawn Michaels versus Benoit, another shoe-in. Yep. And since we have a guest on the phone this week, we're going to give Jake the option of what's going to be going into the third slot. It can be something that's appeared on multiple lists or even just a match that you feel particular about that you feel has got to make it in the top three. I think being the first, the Funk Douglas Sabu, I remember that match when it happened, um, PWI and all the wrestling magazines, how different it was and how I mean because for better or worse because of that match where we're at now it's like a triple three way dance triple threat match seemingly every week Hmm. I might want to put that one on for the historical significance of that being uh, the first or at least Bill is the first I don't know what was the first yeah that's a good choice. That's a good choice. I mean, uh, Sasha, Charlotte, and Bailey that AJ had. I mean, I was kind of yeah. I mean, that, that was a hard second that match. Uh, Charlotte, yeah. Bailey. Yeah. That was coming in uh, hard number two, but I, I just couldn't pull the trigger on. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I mean, at the end of the day, right? There's always ones that aren't going to make it. So now that we got our top three in there, what's the first to go? It's tough because you've got three heavy hitters. Yeah. Oh, man. That's tough. I mean, look, say what you will, but that story with Benoit at the time, WrestleMania 20, was almost similar to the Brian, like we're talking about years later. Like, we never expected... Benoit was our boy at the time. We can all say that. We we never thought he was going to get the heavyweight title. That was amazing. And then have him and Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Do you remember there was a Clash of the Champions with uh, Benoit, and Benoit was wrestling the Giant at at the time and I remember again so exciting because I was like how how is this match going to play out we're finally WCW is going to see how great Benoit is and they're going to he's going to do something amazing with the Giant and Benoit got his arm caught in his sleeveless vest that he was wearing which I guess uh, sleeveless makes the vest and he got squashed in 8 seconds I remember what you're talking about the Giant about. like ran across the ring splashed them chokeslammed them pinned them and Jay as you say that how similar is that do we just think about too I was comparing this to Brian the year before the Wrestlemania Brian won he got squashed by Sheamus when he was fooling around with AJ looking for a kiss and he turned around and got broke kicked and lost in 8 seconds yeah I, I mean it's wrestling makes you so unbelievably angry sometimes Yeah, just, just so frustrating and yeah I mean Benoit was the guy I, I used to, I, I would watch any Benoit match that was around it I still remember getting a phone call, or actually, no, Zach texted me about the whole situation with Benoit, and man, yeah, he, he was he was great for what he did before. Mm. So for our top three list, you guys almost think Styles versus Daniels versus Joe comes off? Because you got the big Benoit story, and then you've also got the importance of the Funk-Douglas-Sabu match. With those two stories, does that almost make Styles, Daniels, Joe go to the back burner? You know, honestly, I say it's a good match. They're all good. Yeah, they're all good. 
maybe just for giggles, I'd like to kind of take the big WWE match off of it, even though like it's got a great. So take the Benoit out of there. Yeah, I'd like to see it down to the 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 because I mean, how often do we put TNA on our list anyway, too? But this fucking match. Yeah, hey, give him a bone. Give him, give him something to hang yeah, right. God, every time we talk good about Benoit, we either take him off the list or be like, can't talk about him anymore. <laughs> We're only going to commit so far on that. <laughs> it, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's almost like after you talk good about him, you remember everything that happened afterwards, and you got to make amends or something. I, I don't know, but. Yeah. Yeah. True. So now we're down to Styles versus Daniels versus Joe. Funk versus Douglas versus Sabu. Who do you put over and why? Jake, I'll give you the floor, buddy. What are you thinking? All right. Now, I am going to say that the match itself, Brian Orton Batista, wasn't what I would look for in a match. Not my favorite type of match. However, Daniel Bryan was and remains one of my favorite wrestlers mm-hmm. of all time. Samoa Joe, Styles, Christopher Daniels, that match I could watch a hundred times. It was the work rate, everything about it was fantastic. But my guy Daniel Bryan won the world title legitimately, so I'm going to have to put that one in the number one spot. All right, so we <laughs> the other one Joe had up there was the ECW one, so we weren't actually going to... That one had kind of left the conversation, Jake, but <laughs> since you brought it back, I'm glad you did, because I was thinking well, the whole time... No, that well, yeah. But you know what? I'm kind of glad you said that because the whole time I was thinking about Brian too, and it was kind of annoying me that it wasn't in there. But I wasn't gonna say yeah. that because I knew you weren't new to the five three one, and you, like you and Joe having this discussion, I'm like, man, I kind of wish the fucking Brian match was in there because that one meant more to me. <laughs> so you know what? We got it. We got a guest, so it's gonna be the guest pick, and, and it was one of those triple threat matches that's newer in our memory. Dave, got to get that do not disturb next time, bro. Yeah, baby, they're coming in. But, uh, These yes. hoes are calling me. <laughs> Jesus, so we're going to give it to Brian versus Orton versus Batista. Jake, thanks for listening, and thanks for sitting in with us this week. Awesome, thank you. I had a great time. Awesome, man. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 